Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Julie, I have to say the feedback we got on the last three shows was off the charts. Yes. Well, I think this is something that 110% of our listeners can relate to. I don't know anybody that it just walks around going, oh, I'm stress-free all the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, people that are maybe medicated. It could be. That's true. <laughs> well, so th- we are going to round the bend. The last three shows were such a hit that inspired, and all your feedback inspired Julie and I to really, uh, I think, hit it home with giving you Another way to approach how to manage your stress um, and your anxiety and all those types of things. Because let's be honest, guys, there are so many things in the world today that if you don't have the strongest of mindsets, they will, it will consume you. There's more stress, more anxiety, more reasons to feel stress and anxiety at this point in my, uh, dare I say, almost 52-year-old life mm-hmm. than I think I can ever remember happening at one time. I mean, we have – I don't want to you know, run down the litany in, of reasons why you guys should be stressed. They know. I'm sure you have your own reasons. <laughs> but really, there's so many different you know, sort of constructed and, and real things to be at least concerned about if you choose to have those things on your radar – they're going to oftentimes cause you to not necessarily be the best version of yourself. So this is something that we also have coached agents to use. And this is something I originally learned from uh, Deepak Chopra, actually. And Julie researched it and found out actually this original uh, four-question process to, I think, de-stress your life was created by someone named Byron Katie. But we're going to go through that in a second. But here's the essence of it. Uh, these notes, by the way, every note for all the notes for all of our podcasts are always waiting for you over at timandjulieharris.com. We also publish them on iTunes and Stitcher. Sometimes Spotify doesn't allow, it, depending on how long our notes are. But what you guys here, Julie and I presenting, we have prepared for you both as a script outline, which is, again, ready for you to look at and download and use for your own reference, um, and also, obviously, the audio portion. And then over on YouTube, we've got a video portion going as well. So point being. Save this information because this is something that we've shared with coaching clients over the years, and we've used it ourselves. And I have to tell you, this is a absolute, these four questions are an absolute miracle of clarity when you use them whenever you're feeling stressed. And that's the, that's the discipline, though, is you have to use these four questions whenever you're feeling stressed because then what happens is you then stop being so, I think, accustomed to feeling stressed all the time. And then when the stress does enter into your life, it feels abnormal versus right now many of you have allowed stress to feel normal. I would agree with that, Tim. And I've he- I've seen, I've heard lots of different uh, people use this. Oprah's used this before. You mentioned Deepak Chopra. We're going to talk about the originator of this. I use it a lot in coaching. And I have to say, after coaching it a lot and doing podcasts with you on this and memorizing these four questions, I use it personally all the time. Me too. It's a great filter. It's very practical and applicable. It's not woo-woo at all. It's It's just very to the point. So those of you who like to take notes, this is a good time to get your note-taking uh, typing fingers or pencil ready. So this is four ways or four questions how to stop stress now. Or you might think of these as filters to run your life by. So when you listen to our Real Estate and Coaching podcast, you're going to learn about these four specific questions. All the suffering that goes on inside our minds is not reality, says Byron Katie. It's just a story that we torture ourselves with. 
She has a simple, completely replicable system for freeing ourselves of the thoughts that make us suffer. Quote, all war begins on paper, she explains. You write down your stressful thoughts and then ask yourself the following four questions. Remember from yesterday when we talked about the Stoics, the importance of writing stuff down. And we also talked about doing brain dumps. This, yes. this is all within the same. The idea, guys, is that when you take what's in your head and you write it down in front of you, you know, choose a comfortable pen. You, Julie bought me a really nice Mont Blanc pen a couple years ago for my birthday. So when I'm doing this exercise, which I do, I do this usually two times a week with my to-dos, but also intermixed with my to-dos or other things that are just random stressors. And I write them all down on a yellow long uh, pad, legal pad, and then I go through it. And some of them that just are in my mind that I've written down, I don't consciously think, well, should I write this down? If it's in my mind, I write it down. And then I just scratch it off after I've gotten done with the list because some of the things are just random and don't even make mm -hmm. sense. They're just pieces of incomplete thoughts that are obviously taking up uh, you know, room that shouldn't be there. And so then I'm left with the things that are supposedly important, right? They're, I say supposedly because they have to still prove themselves to be worthy of being on my the next version of my list, which is the actual things I'm going to focus on. So then the filters I run through, those uh, items are do it, delegate, or ditch it. So if it's something that I have to do that I can't do, uh, you know, do myself, which frankly nowadays is very few things because most of the things I do are delegated. But then the next thing is going to be uh, delegate it which is, I'd say 95% of the things show up on the delegate list. And then who am I going to delegate them to? How am I, you know, what's the deadline for getting that particular thing done? If it's possible to have a deadline, a lot of things don't, they're just projects. And then the last one is the digit part. And I already told you what I do with the digit part. But this, all of these people from the Stoics to, you know, major religions, to psychologists, not, you know, woo-woo or not, you know, pseudoscience, but all these people revolve around, or, or essentially revolve around the same uh, approach to stress, which is not allowing it to stay inside, to get it outside on a piece of paper where your hand is writing on a piece of paper, where you are now seeing the things that are causing your stress. Because when you do, those son, the, the, I was about to swear. I know. Well, I will anyway. Those son of a bitch thoughts cannot <laughs> consume you from the inside. Yes. You've put them on paper. You're looking at them. You're facing them down. And then all of a sudden, they don't have the same pull over you. It's the uh, unmanifested version of these thoughts in your head that cause you stress. Like, what are you, how are you feeling right now? Are you actually feeling stressed about things? And that's the first question I wrote down for you guys today. So start just so you could do this exercise and get the most out of it. And we're going to go relatively quick because this is not something that requires a lot of cerebral activity. So start with something that you're thinking of that's causing you stress. Now, please, I'm not trying to manifest stress in you. <laughs> we're but using there, this as an exercise. But there is something. Like, there. again, I, I mentioned this earlier. You're carrying around things inside of you right now that are causing you stress. And you've just gotten so used to it. You've normalized it. You've just figured that has, well, maybe even consciously you don't even realize you're doing it. But subconsciously, again, it's become a, just another weight on your back. So think about something, if you wanted to really get to the heart of this, think about something, an emotion, a feeling, a stressor that you'd just rather not have in your life anymore. What would that be? Or maybe you know something is causing you stress. So uh, you know, think about what that is. Don't manifest it. Don't go ahead and drill down on it. Just Don't, write it down. Just write it down. Or if you're driving or you're working out or you're going on a walk or whatever, just, you know, have that thought pop in your head. And again, don't let that pop start to grow arms and legs and tentacles, <laughs> right? Don't allow, don't start, you know, allowing it to swirl around in your head and, and create more stress because otherwise you'll miss the point of this exercise. Julie Harris. Yes. Yeah, so question number one, after you wrote that thing down is this, is it true? And this question can change your life. Be still and ask yourself if the thought you wrote down is true. Now, you may be still believing that it's true. You may not be sure. So that brings us to question number two. 
can you absolutely know it's true? We're going to go through these, and then we're going to give you guys. We're going to actually work an example yeah. for you guys. A typical real estate agent stressor. Yes. So, question number two: Can you know that it's absolutely true? This is another opportunity to open your mind and go deeper into the unknown to find the answers that live beneath what you think you already know. Is it? Absolutely true. Like, would you just, you know, is this the hill you're going to die on? Have you actually researched it using good sources? Have you asked for help to determine if something's true? Question okay. three. Question number three. How, here's, here's where the rubber meets the road, right? How do you react? What happens to your mindset and to your actions when you believe that thought? So with this question, you begin to notice the internal cause and effect you can see that when you believe that thought, there's a disturbance that can range from mild discomfort to fear, panic, complacency. What do you actually feel? How do you treat the person or the situation you've written about? How do you treat yourself when you believe that thought? Make a list and be specific. And some of those things may be emotions. Some of those may be actions. But how do you react when you're just wholeheartedly believing something specifically? And then question number four, here's where the turnaround happens. Who would you be without that thought? So imagine yourself in the presence of that person or that situation without believing that thought. How would your life actually be different if you didn't have the ability to even think that stressful thought? How would you feel? Which do you prefer, life with or without the thought? Which feels kinder, more peaceful, more like your true self? That, I think, is the hardest question of the four. Who would you be without the thought? So let's go through this. And if you guys hear what sounds like a pack of uh, pissed off hornets in the background, it's because there's uh, somebody with their leaf blower right outside our office window. And he <laughs> seems to love to time his leaf blowing with our podcasting. But we've gotten used to it. We have. <laughs> Just think of it as a friendly pack of hornets. It I forces guess. us to concentrate <laughs> even more. How about yes, that? Indeed. All right. So let's take an example. Let's make an example, Julie. What's mm -hmm. something that we'll have heard or most of these guys will have been thinking right now? I can think of some easy ones, you know, low-hanging fruit about stressors for agents. I'll give I'll give one. Okay. Um, not enough homes for sale. Yes, that's that's a, a valid thought that's right. stressful. So, but do you think that's something an, an individual agent is thinking? Do you think they're fearful of not enough homes for sale? Do you think that's personal enough? I think if they're working with buyers and they're having some struggles, probably they're living that. Let's, let's I, stick I don't with know. that might, yeah. It's more complicated, though, but sure. let's work through it. Okay. All right, so then now the question is, so your, your stressor is – you can't, how about this? You can't find a house for Bob, right? right? Bob's your client. Bob's got a sweet house to sell. Bob won't buy until, uh, I'm sorry, he won't sell until he buys, right? So you can't find a house for Bob. Bob is holding up a whole bunch of other real estate transactions. And let's assume Bob is motivated and qualified, ready to rumble. Yep. It's all up to you now. Bob, Bobette, and all the little Bobsters are all ready to go, <laughs> right? It's all dependent on you basically creating some forward path for them. So the, you can't find a house for sale. And so you're telling yourself and you're creating stress around the fact that there's no homes for sale. So the first question is, is it true? Are there no homes for sale? Start with that question. Now, if you're going to the MLS and that is your primary source of looking for homes for sale, you are probably correct that there's not enough homes for sale. So you are manifesting the reality that you're not going to you know, generate that transaction or those transactions. And how can you, you know, determine whether that going on to the next point so your first question is, is it true? Are there not enough homes for sale? If the MLS is your primary search filter, the answer probably is yes. Question number two, can, now, by the way, that's not true for all markets. There's plenty of markets where there's plenty of inventory. There's, you know, five or six markets where there's days of, you know, months of supply of homes for sale. So this isn't relevant to all of you. But for most of you, that's what you're going to be experiencing. Mm -hmm. Question number two, can you absolutely know it's true? All right, so you're trying to find a house for Bob, you know, Bobette and the Bobsters. 
Can you absolutely know it's true that there's not enough homes for sale? You can't because you haven't really done the work yet in searching all the other places where there's possibly homes for sale. That's right. You haven't, for example, and I'll give you guys the long list or just I'll give you a few, right? Obviously, new construction is the easy button. For sale by owners is another one. How about uh, absentee owners? Absentee owners is a great source. Uh, and then we can go into, um, you know. For no, rent by owners? For rent by owners. If you're in a vacation area, you could possibly be calling VRBOs. All of these activities outside of looking in the MLS do require you to have a skill set and effort. But by the way, all of these activities also will probably generate more listings for you. So, for example, absentee owners. Do you even know what an absentee owner is, listeners? Do you even know? Well, here, I'll tell you. Don't worry about it. An absentee owner is basically somebody who doesn't live in a house. That could be a landlord. That could be somebody who has a vacation house. Absentee owners can manifest in many different ways. And there are lists. There are sources. And we're going to uh, do some podcasts about that in the upcoming uh, days about where you can go get lists of absentee owners, where you can get really great lists of expireds and all the rest of it. But the moral of the story is, is you do not, you tell yourself there's not enough homes for sale for Bob and his family because of the fact you only search in the MLS. But when you actually start searching beyond that, when you ask the second question, can you absolutely know it's true? You can't know it's true because you haven't actually done the work to go beyond what the, you know, essentially normal agent's going to do to find a house for sale. That's right. So the only thing that's true is perhaps there's not enough available in the MLS. Correct. That doesn't mean that there are just not houses for sale. Evidenced by that is the fact that last year there were more than 6 million uh, sales with two sides to them. And we also had low inventory last year. And that, so, and that doesn't go. include new construction. That's so right. question three. So how do you react? What happens in your mindset to your actions when you believe the thought, in this case, there's not enough homes for sale? So how do you react? Uh, I guess I can't sell a house to Bob. He's going to have to wait for the market to crash. He's going to have to, I'm going to have to wait. I'm, you know, it's impossible. This market is so frustrating. All of these um, reactions and emotions that don't actually get Bob, Bobette, and the Bobsters to the finish line. And think about this, guys. That bad thought scales. You're not then going to be that motivated to work with anybody else because you're going to be fooling yourself into believing there's not enough homes for sale. Yeah, and when you get a sign call on your one listing, you're not going to call them back because you figure you don't have any room in your head to work with any more buyers since there's nothing to sell them. Holy tamale. Now, that's what, we call, that's what we call the adult downward uh, failure spiral, by yes. the way. Hard to say, but easily to visualize. <laughs> Question good. number four. Who would you be without that thought? So I'm asking you now, if you didn't believe that there was a lack of inventory, if you stopped listening to what everyone is telling you that there's a lack of inventory, because there's no lack of inventory. Julie Harris just told you guys this. Last year, this time, there were a million homes for sale. At the end of the year, there were at least 6 million home sales, according to the National Association of Realtors. That means there were 12 million paychecks that got issued, which means, oh, by the way, and that doesn't include new construction. So for you to, now, granted, there's fewer homes for sale now, but that's turning around. More homes are coming for sale. It's going to be an enormous spring market. Are you going to be part of it? You won't be if you believe the thought that there's not enough for sale. You won't be enjoying the spring market, and you probably won't even keep Bob and his family as clients if all you're doing is looking in the MLS. Because what you're doing is you're believing there's not enough homes for sale. And this is where it gets a little woo-woo, so forgive me. And you're actually manifesting that. You're making it real because you're not doing anything beyond just looking in the MLS for homes for sale. You're creating your own damn problem. You are the problem. Or rather, you're thinking about how you're handling the stressor is the problem. Well, that's absolutely true. And I, I would say that it's not as woo-woo as you think because – how many of you listening right now are not taking action to be proactive to find something for the Bob family, for example? 
And that means that you're not finding listings, which means you're contributing to the lack of listing problem, thus manifesting your own negative belief, which isn't actually true. So for example, if you wanna start with something that absolutely everybody of any skill level can do, right? Doesn't cost any money. Let's say you interview Bob and Bobette and even the little Bobsters. What do, you, what do you actually want in your home, right? I want these three neighborhoods. I want uh, three bedrooms and it's gotta have a two car garage. Okay, great, and your top price range is this. How about you go door knocking and find that house and sell it to them and create your own transaction? All right, so let's create another for example and we'll go through this one. So let's pick another one that plagues everyone that's not so uh, specific for real estate agents. Sure. Oh, by the way, past podcasts, coaching clients, we will, in everything, we guys, we guys, we teach you guys how to create your own inventory. You have to assume that that is how the market is going to be for some time to come. The MLS alone is going to not provide you enough opportunities. You're going, and again, those of you who are focusing on being buyer's agents, you're going to have a rough year. There's no two ways about it. You need to be putting all of your efforts, and I'm not even going to, you know, softball this to you guys anymore or nerf ball it to you anymore. You need to be putting your best efforts to becoming a listing agent because being a buyer's agent, or those of you who have teams, those of you who are running buyer's agents and you know trying to monetize the sale of, you know, of homes to buyers from leads you're buying and then you're giving them out to your buyer's agents, that end of the business is gonna become very difficult too. Everything on the buyer side of the transaction is gonna become much more difficult and much less profitable. So we strongly encourage you to put all your best efforts uh, towards becoming a listing agent. If you want to know what you wish you would have been doing a year ago or two years, I'm sorry, a year from now or uh, two years from now, it's going to be having listened to what I just said, which is putting all your best efforts becoming a listing agent. Pivoting your business towards becoming a seller-specific agent primarily where you start carrying consistent inventory, which I know in most markets is hard. It absolutely is. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't be trying it because in most markets, working with buyers is almost impossible. Julie, I want you to give the example, actually, yes. and before we go take them through another example of Lance and Karen Kenmore. Yes. Okay. So this is a well-established, developed team with multiple spokes. Four to 500 units per year. Yes. That is a lot. I mean, that's more than one closing per day by quite a bit. Okay. They know what they're doing. They're not, there's not new construction. There's no, this is just normal real estate transactions, agents doing deal single, by deal singles, you know, no base hits, no home runs, really just single hits, single hits, single hits. Yes. Now they have three listing partners that go on listing appointments all the time. They do carry, they, they're at about 20 listings in inventory. Some of it's land, some of it's normal residential. However, they also have four buyer specialists. Now, Again, all of them highly trained. They know how to win when they're competitive. These we, these we, are not newbies. We've coached many people on this team for yes. you know, two decades. Highly professional. Yeah, highly okay. professional. So we can Excellent. assume that their skill level is good. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, because in their town, they're, they're operating at less than 50% of normal inventory, the buyer's agents, even though they're good, still, you know, we're, we are struggling to do that kind of 450 deals. So what are they doing? Now, they're all prospecting their past clients, their center of influence, and they are doing listings as well. So what they did is they're pivoting and getting the buyer's agents. Being to actually, versatile. They're, getting, they're making the buyer's agents asking kindly and incentizing the buyer's agents right. to start being proactive lead generators. Opposed, for listings. Opposed, for listings, opposed to just waiting around for the buyer leads to come. So Lance and Karen are getting ahead of the market because they see what direction that's going. You guys need to be doing the same thing. You can't wait. We, we have you enough can. evidence. We're almost through third quarter, right? We're only a couple of weeks through, I'm sorry, through first, first quarter, third month of first quarter is what right. I was thinking. And so you have evidence that the world is not probably just going to magically rain 
oodles and oodles of inventory. But that's because you're so focused on the MLS. Actually, we're in the third day of the third month of the fr- of that's 2022. But see, Julie, you guys can tell Julie's <laughs> getting older. She's about to have another birthday. Yeah, you can tell. And, and you guys are hearing you're hearing the aging process live. I need to up my caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> that's been my secret. <laughs> I know, but but the point is that you've got to get you've got to break your addiction from just the MLS. We talked about that a bit yesterday. And the second thing I wanted to bring up Tim with this whole um, struggle that they're dealing with this stress creator. I interviewed uh, one of our other really great coaching clients yesterday, um, uh, John Walkinshaw. Okay, now he just put together 10 transactions. Uh, the first quarter, he's got 10 deals, right? All 10 were listings. Only two of them had to slash wanted to buy. Why is that important? Because how many of you are not prospecting your past client center of influence, you know, being proactive, trying to find listings? Because you have in your head that you're going to have a problem finding them something to buy. Eight out of 10 of his listings did not have to buy. Who were they? Investors, people who had already bought last year, people who were building. Okay? So stop believing that everyone's going to come to you with that problem. But he got on the phone and he started creating his own business. And that's what we're trying to impress upon you. Why the phone? Because everybody else, every all your competitors are low-skilled agents. God bless all of you low-skilled agents. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to you make You can it. do something about that. Yes, you can. But all <laughs> what they're doing is they're actually going to uh, – they're going directly to the sources, these John Walkinshaws and the Ken Moores and, frankly, all of our other coaching clients. Well, that's what we teach you to do. Stop thinking that you have to TikTok video, YouTube video, you know, lead generate funnel, buy your leads. Stop acting like that. Go directly to the people in your marketplace who have their hands in the air right now and say, yes, I want to sell my house. You don't know of those people. That's what we teach you how to not just identify them. And these lead sources cost you nothing. But then we're also going to teach you specifically how to get them to want to do business with you. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you become professional. That's where you are building your mansion on land you don't own. I'm sorry. That's where you're building your mansion on land you, you do, do own. own. Yes. Right. Which I'm is so, better, by I'm the so, way. I'm so used to rallying against buying leads, right? So it's building your mansion on land you do own. You're building your future on a skill set that you do control. That's the essence of what we're trying to impress upon you. So do consider becoming a Harris coaching client, and we've made it very easy for you to do that. All you've got to do is text the word premier to 47372, text the word premier to 47372, and that'll take you directly to our premier coaching uh, checkout page. And you can join premier coaching for around $100 a month, depending on which path you choose. So text the word premier to 47372. A lot of you listen to us. Well, tens of thousands of you listen to us on a regular basis. This is the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents. You guys have got to take seriously the warnings and, frankly, the reality checks that Julie and I have been giving uh, to all of you for the better part of 18 months because everything we've been predicting is coming true. And unfortunately, it's coming true. And despite the fact that so many of you were listening, you didn't take actions, and now you're going to have to play catch up. The easiest way for you to do that is learn how to become a listing agent furiously fast. Text the word Premier to 47372. And when you can do, you, you can join a Premier Coaching um, and you can join today. And you can probably be on a semi private coaching call with your new member coach later today or, you know, tomorrow, depending on what time you're joining. Well, they do do it every single weekday. Right. So text Premier. That's right. Text Premier to 47372. Remember, message and data rates may apply. All right. So let's do another example, okay? okay. Let's go through one that plagues everybody, especially nowadays. Um, and now we can go down the, the health one. Health is a good one to use sure. as an example. Mm-hmm. Or we can go down the financial one, right? Or we can go down the, like, let, let's choose. So what's something that's causing you guys stress? 
And I'm going to try to choose, again, something that's going to be relatively general to everyone so everyone can relate. How about this? Um, okay, I got a better one. Okay. I'm too old or too young mm-hmm. to be successful. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not something that a lot of people will verbalize when you ask them. Like, you know, if, it's easier to get an older person to admit it than it is a younger person to admit it. You can tell a younger person, like, if you get a younger younger people who believe that they're too young to succeed or, frankly, think they have time to wait to succeed, mm-hmm. that manifests in uh, time wasting. So you'll see them doing a lot of experimental bright light chasing. Younger people have the are the ones that have the tendency to most be most susceptible to the scammy type things that are being sold to real estate agents. Older people, yeah. they're not wanting to waste time and they see things for what they are. So when you ask an older person what they wish they would have done when they were younger, they would have told you in some iteration, wasted less time yes. trying to get ready to get started. Agreed. Again, younger people, you guys are acting the way you're acting because at some level, at some root level, subconsciously, you might actually believe not only do you have time to waste, which you do not, but you also are um, maybe too young to be really successful. What's the quote? Uh, I can't remember who said, the problem is you think you have time. Yeah, exactly. I don't remember. Yes. I like it. Julie Harris. Okay. <laughs> that's just So let's go with let's go with you're too young or you're too old. You can decide which one might be uh, you know relevant to yourself. And hopefully you don't have this suffer this fear. But if you do, let's stick with the too old one, all right? So you think you're too old. So that's causing you stress. You don't th- have enough time to accomplish what you want in life. You're trying you're starting to uh, you know, trim your goals. You're starting to see your world as smaller. And this often happens with uh, people in their 40s, by the way, mm-hmm. which uh, technically they're only at half-life, and people start to uh, prune their potential at half-life, which is crazy. So the first question is, it, question number one, with regards to you're too old, is it true? And again, here's what Julie wrote down. The question can change your life. Be still and ask yourself if the thought you wrote down is true. Is it true that you're too old to be successful? Right? So let's just say maybe you believe you're going like, well, I don't know if it's true or not. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Let's go down to the next question. The next question is, can you absolutely know it's true, in our case, the case of this example, that you're too old to be successful? Well, you can't. And Julie and I will pile on for giving you some, uh, you know, essentially will pull you in the direction that you're never too old. Most people in the United States do not have their peak earning, uh, and you guys can Google all this yourself, until they're in their 50s. That does not mean that people don't go off to be incredibly successful and build tremendous wealth after 60 or 70. I'll prove it to you. Warren Buffett earned 95% of all of his wealth after the age of 60. And there are lots of historic examples of people who did not experience their greatest levels of success until they're in their 70s. Dare I say the current president. You know, seriously. <laughs> right. look well, at that's a, true. Look how long it took him to get there. Right. But look at look at all the these uh, the historic figures and look at the age in which they reached the their essentially their peak. And that's what we remember them for. We don't mm-hmm. remember when you can pull up any sort of, you know, and remember, you got to scale it back because people didn't live as long, you know, hundreds of years ago. So, you know, 70 now, let's say, is the new probably like 55, I would that's guess. That's true. You know, if it were 300 years ago. There's so many examples of that. You know, entire books have been written about that. So I would contend that, no, you can't know that it's absolutely true because there's many, many, many examples that you have been proven wrong on that. But if you believe it's true that you're too old to be successful, what actually happens? What transpires? All right. So you believe, okay, I'm too old to be successful, whatever success is to you, right? I'm too old to travel. I'm too old to be financially independent. I'm too old to, you know, be rich. I'm too old to have a great, um, you know, physical, you know, body or whatever the hell it is, right? 
Can it absolutely be true? The answer is no. So now the question, third question, and this is the one, the, this one, the fourth one, by the way, are the real introspective questions. How do you react? What happens to your mindset and your actions when you believe the thought that in our example, that you're too old to be uh, successful? And again, successful, you can replace that word. If you want to replace it with something, maybe it's more personal. Do you, how do you react? Well, I know how you react. You don't do anything. The question should be, in this case, what don't you do? Exactly. Or what do you do? Nothing. Right. If, you're too, if you believe you're too old to be successful, you do nothing. You well, take Tim, no I, actions and you make it a reality. So by leaving, believing that you're too old to be successful, you actually make it true because you don't do anything to prove otherwise. I'm too old to be successful. I'm 65. I'm never going to be able to create any sort of financial abundance for myself. I'm always going to be beholden. Well, okay, so what are you doing as a result? Watching a lot of TV, watching a lot of hey, CNN. You're making it true. Well, good. Now you validated it. You, you because you did not you know, track your mindset, check your thoughts, and then you know, monitor your behaviors, you've actually manifested the very thought of making it so that you are indeed too old to be successful. And the fourth question, Julie? Who would you be if you dropped that thought? If you turned it around? If you actually believed the opposite? If you replaced I'm too old with... Gosh, I, I know I'm not too old. I can do this. Doesn't that feel better? And I have to say, Tim, we have quite a few coaching clients who have come to real estate older in life. And here's the, the uh, secret hidden truth to that. They are in a fantastic position because they are old enough to have assumed experience and skill and leadership, and they're still young enough to get the job done, right? So, so people younger than them look up to them, and people that are their peers trust them. Well, that in another little side benefit is that people will assume you've been in real estate for a long <laughs> That's time because your age. Whereas if you're yeah. a kid, people are going to assume you have been, right? Because you know, you yeah. and I've been in, we got in real estate in our early twenties, and we would know. Then we would know. <laughs> yeah. And so when we got the question, "How long have you been in real estate?" Our answer was, "Seems like forever." You know, that's <laughs> which only kind of hurts. That's that's not definable. Yeah. yeah. Well, we look like we're twelve. There's yeah. pictures of us when we got into real estate on Instagram too. It's pretty hilarious. But so listen, guys. Um, hopefully, these four questions will change your life because if you apply them, if you really now, here's a question, and we're going to round the bend. Um, if you don't do this, if you don't start rooting out what your fears are, what the things are that are holding you back, and you don't start asking yourself these four questions, that means you're doing it because you want to hold on to these fears because you're getting a benefit from essentially the complacency that usually follows these limiting beliefs about yourself. In other words, you're 65, you believe you're too old, you believe you can't accomplish what you want in your life. It's in your mind, what you're actually doing is you're making a decision to do nothing because you perceive that you're getting a greater benefit from not taking any, sitting on your butt in essence, and not really uh, trying to make yourself a better person. You are, you're perceiving that that is a greater benefit than what you would receive had you actually taken action to try to become a better person. Isn't that interesting? But that's really what it is. And it all goes to personal responsibility. So if you acknowledge the fact that I'm not taking this action, and then you say, I'm not taking this action because the benefit I'm getting from not taking this action is greater than the perceived benefit that I would have had I taken the action. That is choice. All of this is about choice. This is all these four questions, everything Julie and I talk about in our podcast, in our book, in our coaching program. It's always about choice. The choices you make, how you choose to, what thoughts you choose to allow to manifest and grow and expand in your brain, determine who you are. All of this is about you deciding what your future is going to be. Not all aspects of your future are you going to be in control of, but how you react to whatever happens in your future, you are in control of. And please use these four thoughts. Question one, is it true? Question two, 
Can, uh, can you absolutely know it's true? Question three, how do you react when you believe it's true in a good or a bad way? Question four is who would you be without that thought? That is liberation right there. Those four questions. And when you, I, I'm never going to be rich. Okay. Is it true? It, do you absolutely know it's true? How do you react when you believe that? Who would you be if you didn't have that thought? You guys get it? You're but that's a pattern it? to memorize. That's something to internalize and use all the time in your daily life. That's right. Now, Julie and I have to go to the gym and be tortured. And Indeed. if you guys want to look at, I have to say, <laughs> we're starting to post videos of this absolute ugh, shit fest of a kettlebell workout that kettlebell we've been doing. Kettlebell hell, I call oh it. Oh, my God. It's so awful. But if you want to see pictures of Julie and I <laughs> suffering... Which evidently a lot of you do, frankly. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I put a video up of Julie doing um, the kettlebell thing yesterday, and it had like 3,500 views. People really enjoy seeing Julie, me suffer, I seeing guess. Seeing Julie suffer. I, I, that's fine. I'll keep on putting them up. But we're on Instagram at, at Tim and Julie Harris or uh, Harris Real Estate University. In the meantime, thank you for continuing to make this number one list to daily podcast for real estate professionals. We certainly appreciate your continued support. Please do give us a five-star review on iTunes. Um, give us a great review on Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. And if you are listening to us on YouTube, please do subscribe to the channel. We certainly appreciate your continued support. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.